You definitely want to have a background and an understanding. There are some hard and fast rules around when certain things can happen and where the money gets issued out to. You want to have all your ducks in a row well ahead of time. As soon as you have a closing date, definitely make sure you've got this all set up and ready to go. Hello, and thank you for joining us today on the Gentle Art of Crushing It show, where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives. This show stands on the shoulders of giants. Our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show. All right. Welcome back to another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. My name is Nathan with Undoor Properties, and I'm your Monday host. I am one of six hosts who bring you conversations three times a week on a variety of topics around real estate, business, and personal motivation. And our goal with this podcast is to help you succeed in whatever target you're aiming at. We're all committed to finding the best and the brightest people who aren't just talking about big things, but are actually taking steps to achieve their dreams and wanting to help others along the way. And as usual, today's conversation is no different. We had on the show today, Dave Spooner. Dave Spooner is the acting CEO and co-founder of the free property management software called Inago. It's a fantastic piece of software. Um, he also talks to us all about what the two or three K loan is, as well as what a 1031 uh, exchange is. And um, I love his story about how he can, you know, have a one year old at home, be a husband, be a father, keep a full time job in technology and build an eight unit rental portfolio in under five years. So with that, let's hop into the conversation. All right, Dave, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Nathan. Very cool. Super excited. A lot of stuff we're going to be talking about here. I'm excited to touch on all these different topics that we um, were touching on pre-record here. But before we get into all that stuff, uh, why don't you help the audience kind of understand who's Dave, uh, where, you know, what's your background, where you found success, what you do in real estate and other parts of life? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I got started in real estate investing back in 2018, uh, purchased my first property, a triplex. Uh, we've grown it to eight units now. We've bought and sold, uh, and we're at eight units at this time. So not a huge portfolio, but have have tried a bunch of different mechanisms of growing and, and have seen a lot of different things. So um, hopefully have some interesting sort of angles for you. And then on in my day job, my nine to five, I actually work in, in prop tech, in real estate technology. So I, I'm one of the uh, the founders of a company called Inago, which I use for my, my own rental management. Um, so I get to talk to literally thousands of landlords a year and get their perspective and hear about their story all from teeny tiny one unit landlords to thousands of units and property managers and everybody in between so um, a lot of exposure to the real estate market even beyond just my own investing before we jump into the show we wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by every Every REI tool is the most comprehensive online catalog of resources for real estate investors and professionals. Whether you are looking for the best deal analyzer, the most loved syndication platform, fix and flip rehab calculators, dialers, lead generation solutions, rent collectors, or the next real estate book to read, every REI tool has it all. Quickly and easily find the best software, apps, services, books, podcasts, 
and courses to help accelerate and grow your real estate business by heading over to everyreitool.com. And don't forget to sign up to get exclusive product reviews, promos, and discount codes. EveryREITool.com. Now, on to the show. Yeah, and how'd you get into real estate? I'm curious. So I was working in PropTech um, and just kept talking to these landlords um, and over and over again, hearing about their story and, and how they had built up their own, you know, nest egg or had created financial freedom or whatever it is that, that they were able to, to, to create for themselves. And finally, I was like, man, I, I got to get a piece of that, right? I got to give that a shot. So after a couple of years in prop tech, I finally found my first property that worked as an investment and, and, and just jumped right in. And when you say you were in prop tech already, was this already Inago or was this uh, something different before uh, Inago? Well, I actually, so I started, my, my first foray into prop tech was back in 2013. I was graduating from Miami University here in, in, uh, in Ohio, in Southwest Ohio, and uh, the one in Oxford, Ohio, not in Miami, Florida. Um, and I, I knew a guy that was building a listing platform specifically for student housing, which when you're a student and you've gone through the nightmare of student housing, which is a nightmare everywhere, you think that's the greatest idea in the world, right? And it's, it's a dime a dozen idea. So many people have tried it and so many people have ultimately failed in building it. We tried to build it. Um, I'll, I'll keep that part of the story brief, but it did give me a lot of exposure to small to mid-sized independent landlords. So we actually, myself and, and an engineer at, at, at that platform, uh, sort of broke off and, and formed Inago later on, which was more about servicing you know, in, in the form of property management software, these small to mid-sized independent landlords predominantly. So I was actually in PropTech since 2013. So I had a whole five-year lead up before I, I dove it. Part of it was capital. Part of it was opportunity. Part of it was understanding the market, et cetera. So I was in PropTech for a while and then finally jumped in in 2018. Got it. So that exposure to PropTech is what kind of was a good catalyst or motivation for you to jump into investing yourself. And then just curious, do you invest in your backyard? Do you invest remotely? I mean, it's always interesting to hear these different stories. Yeah, so far we've just done it here. I actually invest with my brother and sister. Uh, the three of us invest together. We've kept it here in Cincinnati. We're fortunate. I live in a market that is a really attractive investment market. You know, we're not in San Francisco where just getting your foot in the door is incredibly expensive. You can find really affordable, high cash flow opportunities here in Cincinnati. And it's easier for us to manage, keeps our costs lower, keeps a, you know, a better finger on the pulse. There's a lot of advantages to it. So we've kept it here in Cincy. We'd be open to expanding outside of Cincy in the future. But right now, there's plenty of opportunity. Yeah, I love it. And so basically, in, you said you started or you acquired the first triplex in 2018. Um, and you're now at eight units, which by the way, I, earlier, you said it's not a massive portfolio, eight units is still a whole lot more than a lot of people out there, right? So I think there's nothing to, to minimize there. It's fantastic. And congratulations on that. Um, so it took you about five years to get to to the eight. Right. And was that just from saving or how how do you go about getting to the eight or are you just made of money or come from money and you can just, you know, buy properties left and right? What was that part of the story for you? Yeah, definitely not made of money. Uh, so and that that's really why it took because some people can, you know, will we'll acquire a whole bunch of properties even faster. 
Um, but that's why it, it kind of has taken us five years. So our first property, the, the triplex, we actually used a 203K loan for that. So many of your listeners might be familiar with the FHA 203K, but I'll just give a, a brief synopsis here. Basically, it's an FHA-backed loan, so you're able to achieve a really low interest rate because the FHA is, is insuring it, the Federal Housing Authority. And unlike normal mortgages where they're just giving you a loan on the real property as it currently stands – an FHA 203k loan, they'll rope in a construction loan with it, and they'll treat it just like the mortgage. So we had this triplex that we were trying to buy for basically uh, a little under 200 grand. It was like $170,000 that needed some work. It needed about $100,000 worth of work. So instead of having to first purchase it for 170k with 20 to 25% down, we were able to buy it for $270,000, 100K of that was used for rehabbing and remodeling the property, and we put just 3.5% down. So I think the total we put in on that property was, you know, including closing costs and things, was like 17 grand or something. I mean, it was, it was dirt cheap just to get started, especially for three of us. Now, the only caveat with that is with the 203K loan, you have to live there. So my older brother, he actually moved into one of the units. So we were able to get that owner-occupy uh, two or three K loan, really affordable, great rate on it and do a whole bunch of remodeling. And now that property is like the, the crown jewel in our, our units. I mean, it, it just does so well. We've got it at such a good price. The mortgage is, is so affordable. He's since moved out. Um, he owns his own place now, but he lived there for a couple of years and it allowed us to do that, which was a, a great setup for us. And I'm curious, did you know about this two or three K loan while you were shopping for your first, you know, property there? Or is that something that uh, you came across or stumbled upon, you know, by happenstance or through talking to people in your network? Or how did that happen? Because how do you how if you if you're not aware of what a two or three K loan is or even less so if it, that it exists, how can you take advantage of it? I'm curious how that happened for you. Yeah, yeah. Good question. So we, I was aware of it before we kind of moved on this one and, and sort of knew that it was going to be one of the, the best possible ways that we could start our real estate portfolio because we didn't have a ton of capital. So it was either, you know, go acquire a property that's, you know, maybe 100K, probably a single family at that point, uh, maybe not in the best part of town, you know, plenty of other caveats with it because we only have 20 to 25K to spend on it. Or we can use something like a 203K to get a multi-unit that's pretty nice. It's, it's worth a few hundred thousand dollars. So I was familiar with it and it was something that we were really targeting was trying to find a, a property that fit that mold. Um, the way that I encountered it was just through talking to landlords through again, the day job with Inago, speaking with a bunch that had done the same. Um, and also through just online research. I mean, like, like any good real estate investor, you know, I, I go on the forums, I read the books, I listen to the podcasts, um, so I, I kind of got exposure that way to it. And you said you partner with your family, right, on these these rentals that you've acquired. How right. what's that process like? Is it like literally like a partnership or is it just you go in together and there are multiple names on the title and on the loan and things like that? Can you talk and help the audience understand that a little bit better? Yeah, for sure. So with the 203K, for example, it had to be just my brother on that, right? Because it was owner-occupied. So it was a slightly different animal there. Um, then the the next properties that we've acquired, we've kind of just shuffled who is the person that goes down on it. Generally, and, and I, I don't think this is limited to just Ohio, although it may be a state-by-state -state thing, but you really don't want to put multiple people on the loan because it limits the number of loans you can take. For example, if you're a husband and wife and you're going out to buy a property, 
sure, you can both be on the title. Don't put both your names on the loan. It's not an advantage. It's only a disadvantage. In fact, they're going to have to underwrite both of you, which means more paperwork, and you've limited the number of loans you can actually take because there is only a certain number. So we've kind of just gone, you know, some of it's opportunity, some of it's whatever, but we usually cycle through. So brother was on the first one, sister on the second one. I'm on the third one. Probably get back to him on the fourth one. Nice. Yeah. And I learned the whole loan thing the hard way. The first few properties we purchased, it was my wife and I, and then yep. uh, quickly realized that that was a mistake. So there you go. But why don't we talk about Inago for a minute here? Because you talk about uh, investing in your backyard um, and you yep. manage your properties as well, which was, I think, a catalyst maybe, or uh, maybe just this good good overlap and synergy between the two. But you're now obviously part of Inago, right? You're one of the co-founders and you're the, the acting CEO of Inago, this free rental property management software, which, by the way, um, you know, I've used and looked at and love. So what what is Inago? Where did that come from? Um, curious to hear about that story. Yeah, for sure. So it goes back to when we started that or when I joined, I should say, that student housing platform back in 2013. The the nice thing about student housing is it's predominantly made up of small to mid-sized independent landlords, more so than even the general residential market. So even though it was not ultimately a successful venture, I got a ton of exposure to these landlords. And over and over and over again, they kept telling us, we do not care about advertising tools. We are fully occupied every year. But what we could really use is better management tools. Uh, and finally, you know, after a few years, it, it got through our, our thick heads and we decided to, to, to uh, try to build that myself and, and, and the engineer that, that was on that, that uh, platform. Um, but over and over again, these landlords kept telling us, here's what we want, here's what we need. So I kind of went in to Inago in 2017 with a, a fairly clear conception. I mean, five years, four years of, of market research, essentially, direct market research before we were able to, to begin working on and launching that product. So I had a really good understanding of what the pain points were for these landlords the types of things that they were looking for. I didn't have any direct experience. I wasn't an owner. I wasn't a property manager at that time. But I had talked to so many that I felt like I had a good um, a good understanding. Um, I will say, though, since acquiring my first property, I have learned so much about the needs of a property owner or a property manager. And that has helped inform what has happened to Inago. I mean, we've there have been many direct features that have been a result of, hey, I was just trying to do this in, in, with my property and it sucked and I need to do it better. So let's make Inago do that for us. So it's, it's really been a blend. It's been, you know, I learned how to invest from my experience with Inago. I learned how to build a better Inago from my experience with investing. And it's, it's been a very good uh, sort of cyclical relationship in that way. Yeah. And so you're using Inago today, I'm assuming, and dog fooding your eight rental properties with this software that you built. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. I use it for uh, for all the units. <laughs> I love it. Um, before we hit record here, you were telling me about a 1031 exchange that you did. Um, when was that in like this whole journey of getting to eight properties? Because it's another one of those, um, I don't know how to say this, more creative or maybe less known, less traditional like transaction vehicle. So how do you, can you tell us more about that, I guess? Yeah, for sure. And I think I, I think I did a, a, a uh, at best adequate job of answering your earlier question, which was how have we been able to grow more properties? And one of the keys is is the 1031 and just understanding the different sort of mechanisms that that are available to you as an investor. It's not just I need to come up with 20% down every single time to get a new property. There are other things you can do. So we start with that that 203K, right, in, in 2018. Uh, we do the rehab, whole process takes about a year. We get it filled up. 
we start to cash flow on it. We're also, of course, saving money on the side as well. And we were able to acquire our second property after, I think, two years. We saved up enough money in cash flow, and then we also saved up enough money on our own. And this one was more of a traditional purchase. We went and paid 20 or 25% down on another triplex that um, was not in the same condition as the one we had just rehabbed. Um, definitely worse condition. Not terrible, but definitely worse condition. We were able to put some sweat equity in ourselves fix some things up, rip some things out. Nothing crazy, not like brand new plumbing, brand new electric, anything wild, but just kind of dressing it up a little bit, cleaning up the bathrooms, ripping out carpet, paint jobs, et cetera. So we improved it, made it nice and rentable. And we sat on that for a couple of years. That also cash flowed really nicely. So at this point, we had two that were cash flowing really, really well. Um, and then an opportunity came up to purchase a property that was in not as great of shape, uh, that really needed a ton of work to be done on it. Um, so we went in and we acquired that property uh, about a year ago now, maybe a year and a half, two years ish. Um, and we've been, we've been actually rehabbing that. That one's been a, a bigger undertaking. We've been rehabbing that with some of our cash flow from these other properties, but about a year, maybe half a year ago, an opportunity came up for us to possibly flip that property, the second property that we acquired, the three, uh, the, the triplex that we had put some sweat equity into for a nice return. We had purchased it a couple of years before you know, 2020 and the housing market took off. So we had a lot of equity at this point that it built up in it. So we said, hey, let's capitalize. Let's purchase a property that's in much better condition, that's more like our first property and what we're trying to build with this this uh, property we're rehabbing right now takes a little bit less attention. We can get better rent, rents on it, et cetera. So we said, let's try to flip this up to a better property. So we went out and we tried to find some some buyers. We found a good one. We were able to make a, a really nice return on it. I mean, over over 50% return on, on the original uh, price. Um, so we pulled in a good amount of money and we used this 1031 exchange. Now, what a 1031 exchange allows you to do is take the money that you gain on the sale of the property. And instead of paying taxes on it, where normally you would pay a capital gains tax on it, which can be north of 15%, sometimes even higher depending, um, instead of paying that capital gains ta tax, you get to roll it over into your next property acquisition. So let's say, for example, we had our one property that we bought at 150, the triplex, and we were able to sell it for 300,000, okay? We had 150,000 in direct gains and another you know, 40K in equity that we had built up over the course of the years through paying down the loan. So we had almost $200,000 here that we had to invest in our next property. We only needed to use that $200,000 as a down payment on the next property, and we paid no tax on it. So we took that 200K and we were able to purchase a significantly nice property and a significantly nicer property in a much nicer area with the 200K as the down and paying off a good chunk of the loan. You can also use 1031 exchanges to rehab part of the property. Um, you can use it for multiple properties if you want to. It's really an incredible uh, tool for landlords that want to roll upwards from one property to the next or expand their portfolio. So that's what we did. We've been really, really happy with it. And those those taxes are all deferred to the future sale of this property, or we can continue to 1031 over and over again and uh, and keep punting down the line the, the, the tax bill on those. 
And, and I guess I'm curious, did you, just like for the two or 3K loan that we talked about earlier, did you know a lot about 1031 exchanges or was this, I mean, I'm assuming it was your first since we're talking about it, but then how complicated and how hard was it? Because I feel like these types of special terms, right? And the 1031 uh, exchange is 1031 because it's the actual tax code section, right? right? 1031 and all these things that scare people, right? Yet you did it and it does, I don't know, was it complicated? What was that like? So, yeah, it, it's a little complicated. I was aware of them uh, from early on, just as, you know, I, I remember when I first yeah. got into um, to real estate investing, I read a couple of big tax books just to, like, get as much exposure as I could to the tax code. And I'm just not an fun. accountant just for fun. <laughs> just for fun. That's right. But just to, like, see everything that's out there. So yeah. I, I saw some of these things in passing and kind of made a mental note, like, hey, that's that one sounds interesting. There's a ton of stuff out there to teach you about how the 1031 exchange works. But – um, actually what you'll end up likely doing is working with a 1031 exchange facilitator. And, and I highly recommend it. We had a great experience. They're very affordable in comparison to the amount of money that they're saving you. I mean, it might be a couple thousand dollars when they're saving you 30, 40, 50 grand or even more. So it's well worth it to work with one. Yeah. The actual machinations of a 1031 exchange. And I think it's required, right? Because you can't touch, you, you can't well, touch the money at any point in time in the 1031 exchange, right? So is exactly. it required? I, well, I don't know that you have to work with one of these facilitator companies, but you're correct that you cannot touch the money. So you have to – it's a like-kind exchange is where the where the name comes from. So you have, you're basically exchanging one property for a similar property. And, and like you said, you can't have the money come out. It can sit in an escrow balance and be issued from there, which I, I believe that the facilitator then manages. I, I think you may be able to do it with self-management on the – I could be wrong on some of that. I, I highly recommend it. Don't don't try to do it on your own. But yeah, so we worked with a facilitator and, and they made it super easy. I mean, they, they kind of walk you through the process. You definitely want to have a background and an understanding. There are some hard and fast rules around when certain things can happen and where the money gets issued out to, um, how much money is getting set aside, how it's then getting used. So you want to have all your ducks in a row well ahead of time, a couple of months before. I would say as soon as you have a closing date, definitely make sure you've got this all set up and ready to go. Uh, but yeah, it's it's honestly not um, not as difficult as you would think because there's so many structures around it to help facilitate those for you. Awesome. Well, I mean, you've gone through a lot, obviously, right? From real estate, software, um, ten thirty one exchanges, two or three k, you know, loans. You've done a lot of different things. What's your, um, you know, what's your favorite success story that you like to share and share with people and and talk to people about the thing that i most commonly talk to people about is the 203k because i just think it's such an incredible opportunity to launch your real estate investing so i'm always like telling my friends telling people that just happen to mention something about real estate hey have you looked into 203k if you haven't you should be um that's that's probably my favorite thing um you know beyond that i think just learning to to manage the rentals and you know one I, I don't know if this is really the place for it, but one tip that I'll give folks that are investing in rentals is you want to have a really good relationship with your tenant. If you if you have a bad relationship with your tenant, it makes everything so much harder. And there are a few little teeny tiny things that you can do to make a big difference. For example, when people move into our properties, we usually have some cleaning material there for them. So just like basic cleaning supplies. And it's just a way to signal to them like, hey, we really care about this property and we want you to really care about this property. And, and we'll usually say that explicitly. Here's some cleaning stuff. Keep it clean. Keep it nice. We also will always buy, like around Christmas, we buy a gift card to a local restaurant for each of our tenants. It's not that much money. It's like 30 to 50 bucks each. 
it's not, you know, that doesn't make a big impact on cash flow, but it means a lot to them. I mean, we get thank you notes back from tenants and it just, it results in them respecting us more, respecting the property more. It makes the whole process of, of renting and managing a lot easier. So I would say that's a sort of tip slash success story is, is just make sure you have a good relationship with those tenants. Well, that's an awesome tip. And I meant to ask you this earlier, but what's the, what's the end goal for you? Dave, right? In the sense that, you know, through real estate software, um, and I ask this question because a lot of what people hear and see online, right, when it comes to social media and investing in real estate and whatnot, it's always about fire, fire, fire. So, you know, financial independence, retire early, quit your job as quickly as you can, all this stuff, you know, build, you know, more doors, get more doors so you can quit all that. Yet, you have a full time job building software, which isn't easy. So you obviously like that, but you're doing real estate as well. What's your end goal and with all of these things? Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to go full time. I'm not trying to get the, quit the day job. I do think that you, you quit your day job and then real estate becomes your day job. If that's what you want, great. But it's not like you suddenly don't have a day job, right? Uh, you're, you're still working, that's for sure. Uh, and it does take a lot of work. It's not just passive income. I think that's one of the, the kind of fallacies of, of real estate investing. But I'm I'm trying to build I'm trying to build um not just retirement but also um you know something to to give to to my family. Um I have a a 1-year-old. It's my my wife and I it's our, our first child. So uh trying to build something that he can inherit um whether he wants to go and sell it right away or or keep keep the business going that's that's going to be up to him someday. But yeah, just trying to build something for for uh for the future uh Dave generations I suppose. No, and I love to hear that because I'm in a very similar boat. We talked about this last time you and I spoke, right? Young kids and all this, having yeah. a day job and doing the real estate. And I just believe that we, you know, people could do both, right? And it doesn't have yeah. to be one or the other or be like, I need 8,000 doors and quit my job in, you know, 24 months because it's a flashy, you know, article or podcast title, right? And people can do both and it, you're just better off ultimately, right? Yeah, that honestly, that's mostly who we work with, with Inago is is landlords. I think that's the vast majority of landlords out there are, are people that work a nine to five. Um, and, and just trying to figure out how can I manage this side of things and grow this business while also working a nine to five while also, you know, uh, raising a family, um, and just being smart about what they're consuming and, and how they're managing it and, and, and growing their, their business. And I'm just curious to help, again, the audience kind of understand, right? Because obviously you have, we said eight units, um, a full-time job, a one-year-old. Ours, my kids are five and three, so I know how busy it gets with kids. Um, how do you have the time to do all of this stuff and do all of this stuff well? I think you get to choose between uh, your family, your work, and sleep, and you only get two of them. So, <laughs> I think sleep is the is the biggest uh, is the biggest casualty. No, in all seriousness, um, I think a lot of it comes down to not just in real estate vest investing, but in your job too is is being surrounded by a really good team. Um, you know, it, it's, to speak specifically for real estate investing, make sure you have a great realtor, right? Make sure you have a contact on the legal side, whether it's a lawyer that you work with directly, regularly, or somebody else use a CPA. Don't do it all yourself, right? They're, they're a fractional cost compared to, to the value that they're going to bring for you. I have my brother and sister that I invest with so we can kind of uh, distribute the workload, which is really nice. Um, have a team around you that supports you and supports, you know, a goal that you guys are all kind of striving for. Um, it's, you know, the same in real estate investing as it is in any other kind of walk of life. Couldn't agree more. The team is so important. One of my favorite books is Who Not How, right? Which is all about the premise is all about find the people who can help you solve those problems or do those things for you instead of, you know, you trying to figure out how to solve them. 
right? So um, exactly. no, that's a great, fantastic book and fantastic perspective. Um, what would you say your your secret sauce is, your secret to success? Because again, you've obviously achieved a lot of great things thus far, right? What what makes you special? What's your your key, your secret sauce? You know, special is a strong word. I, I, I don't know how much it applies to me, but I, I think that the- Fair, that was my my word, but yeah. No, 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 I, I gotcha. Um, uh, I think that what has allowed me to succeed personally, at least, uh, is that uh, I, and, and hopefully I indicated it a little bit with the tenant piece and, and the way that we try to treat our tenants is, is to just treat others with respect and kindness and, um, you know, give to them what you expect of them, right? Um, both within building Inago, the people that we try to hire and the way that we try to, to treat our employees, um, the way that I'm, I'm attempting to build the real estate business, both with those that I work with professionally and with our tenants, I think it all just comes down to, like you said, it's, it's about people. It, it always is about people. So um, try to cultivate those relationships. Um, and I think that allows you to succeed in a lot of different ways. And, and, and if we've got one, that, that would be our secret sauce. I love it. And what, um, I guess next question here is what would you tell our audience? What would you say to them for, to help them like take action and get started? It's a great question. I do think that, um, people in the real estate sort of, for lack of a better word, blogosphere or whatever you want to call the, the, the real estate zeitgeist between podcasts and online forums and everything. There's a lot of, there's a lot of sort of atrophy around getting started or a lot of, a lot of freeze around getting started. People have a hard time taking the plunge. I think ultimately find an avenue and a tool that allows you to do it and, and, and just try to take the plunge. I mean, when it comes to finding a property, the, the triplex that we purchased wasn't our first attempt, right? We made inquiries on a whole bunch of properties before that. Now, don't just go and pull the trigger to pull the trigger, right? Find a good, a good property, but you've got to put yourself out there. You have to put offers out there. You have to try. Somebody's going to say yes eventually, right? Um, you know, there were plenty of offers that we made that were rejected. The one that we had that was accepted was certainly under what the asking price was, and we wouldn't have gone higher. Um, but they accepted it, and we were able to make it happen. So I would say just start to start to make the offers. Make sure that you have a clear understanding of your financials or whatever tool you're going to use to to make those first purchases. But just get out there and start doing it. That's you know, I know it sounds easier. Uh, easier to say than it is to do, but it, that's that's really what it takes. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. It is just about you know taking the action and repeating you know daily consistency, daily work. I mean, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but I think last year, I think we extended fifty offers to close wow. on ultimately acquire four properties. So it's that exactly. type of work that needs to happen for something to, to come through, and it's not just oh I offered, I didn't get it. Okay, I'm done. This is not working. Exactly. Right? We did 50 over a year, I think it was, some, something like that. In any yeah. case, Dave, I want to try to get you out of here. Be mindful of your time. Um, what uh, book would you recommend our audience pick up and read? So if, if it's all right, I'm going to break the rule slightly. I'm going to give you two. One is real estate side and one is non-real estate side. The real estate side, a book, I've, I've read a bunch. Uh, one of my favorites that I found most illuminating was a book called What Every Real Estate Investor Needs to Know About Cash Flow. And it reads like a 200-page textbook, but I'm telling you, it's loaded with good content. It's going to cover like IRR and MIRR and, and all sorts of different things that you should keep in mind as you're starting that that real estate investing journey and and as you're maturing through it. So I strongly recommend that one. It's by a guy named Frank Gallinelli. And then the non-real estate book is a book called Range. I don't know if you're familiar with this one. It's by David Epstein. It's about how 
generalists succeed in a world that is is turning more and more towards specialization and how leaning into generalization can actually be a huge advantage for you. It's really interesting. Highly recommend it. Lots of good examples and, and uh, um, uh, all sorts of different studies in there that are, are uh, really fascinating. Yeah, I haven't read either one of those, actually. And I'm very curious about that second one range. So I'm gonna have to pick that one up and uh, give it a read. Um, how about a, we typically, so maybe this is a, a, a freebie for you, but we typically ask our guests what, you know, software tool or app they use on a day to day or regular basis to help them with their lives and, you know, help them achieve success. What's that for you? Is that too easy yeah, of a I, question? <laughs> it's a little bit of a softball, but I'll take it. Uh, uh, certainly Inago. Um, I use Inago obviously daily in my work life, but also regularly for real estate investing. I, it's a huge asset to, to me and to my family as we continue to invest. makes it way easier for us to manage our tenants. Um, it's, it's been great for, for what we do. And, and I think for, for thousands of landlords that use it. So I, I certainly recommend Inago. I love it. Perfect. And softballs are good sometimes. Right. Uh, last question here, Dave, uh, before I let you go, how can our audience help you and how can they reach out to you? So you can definitely reach out to me uh, if you have any questions about Inago or anything related to that that side of the space. Um, I actually always give my email out. You can just email me, Dave at Inago. It's pretty darn simple, pre pretty easy to remember. You can also check out our website, innago.com. I also love talking to people about real estate. So if you want to reach out just to to talk about, you know, if you're looking at a 203K or a 1031 exchange or anything else related to real estate or getting into a new market, whatever it may be, I am happy to uh, to chat with anybody about that. I do that all the time. Awesome, Dave. Well, with that, I'm going to stop it here. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today and for all the super you know, helpful insight. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you, Dave. Take care. Thanks, Nathan. All right. Well, thank you very much for being part of this conversation with Dave. What a what a guy. He's got a, got a lot going on. It was a fantastic conversation. Um, and now, uh, before I let you all go, if I could ask you for one last favor, uh, we need your help. We want to spread the word here, share this knowledge and information with more people. So if you could do us one uh, a favor and head over to whatever platform you are listening to this on or watching this on and just, you know, leave us a comment, a like, a subscribe. Um, it would really, really help. Um, in fact, I think it's something like 98% of our listeners and viewers are actually not subscribed. So we'd like to change that. And your helping here will move this show along. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk to you on the next one. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor, and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.